0: Good morning. It is a blessing to be together this morning. I've enjoyed the Sunday school class, the singing together. What a joy to lift our hearts to the Lord Jesus. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to be either Adam or Eve in the Garden of Eden and what, what their relationship was like with God prior to the fall? the scripture really doesn't say much about it. After they fell into sin, we have that verse where it says, God came and called to them in the cool of the day. And so they, uh, an indication that they apparently had this personal relationship and they, uh, well, we know that he did with Adam. He, Adam was there named all the animals and what have you. And and then he needed a help meet and he, uh, Got a rib from Adam's side and and made Eve, and so there was this. There must have been this rich personal relationship. Do you ever wonder if uh, if God teased them from time to time? You know, we're made in God's image, and we love to have a good time and tease each other sometimes, and what have you. And just and so we're made in God's image. I assume that's uh, a characteristic of God that He loves to have enjoy and and uh, maybe tease those that He loves and. And so I can imagine God coming to to Adam in the garden from time to time and teasing him about something he did or something he was doing and and that type of thing. And just had this this marvelous relationship with God. And something that you and I never experienced uh, because of of our sin nature. But now, as, as a redeemed people we again, we have this relationship with God. And I contend that uh, our relationship with God today as God's children is, is, has the, the possibility of being greater and better than what Adam and Eve experienced there in the garden. And we'll get to that later in the message this morning. I've entitled the message, Why Does God Love Us So Much?, About a year ago, a little over a year ago here at Waterworks, I shared a message on why does Satan hate us? And he does. He hates us. Hates us with a passion. And to balance that, I told you I really should share a message on why God loves us so much. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I had to add the word so much to my title when I started working at this message. Uh, Why does Satan hate us? Why does God love us? I just couldn't. I just had to add so much. Because he does. He loves us so much. It's amazing how, how he loves us. The, the cry of the human heart is to be loved and to especially experience a father's love and a mother's love as well. But a father's love is so important. And if you don't believe that, visit prisons, visit the inner city, visit uh, countries where people aren't serving the Lord and there's, there's just a there's just a cry so many times. And in, in broken relationships, the deep wound is the the, fa- the lack of a father's love. And we see that in the physical world. And I contend to you this morning that the same thing exists in the spiritual world. There are two fathers. Uh, Jesus himself said, said, you are children of your father, the devil. And so people that don't have a personal relationship with God. They, they have a father, but it's not a loving, kind father. As I shared a year ago, why does Satan hate? He just hates mankind with a passion and they are uh, s- slaves to sin and, and, and he's a ta- hard taskmaster and they're, they're serving Satan. But we have God, our father, who is, is our spiritual father, and he's there to, to fill the void and when we come into a saving faith uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he fills that void and he should fill it. It's his desire to fill it totally so that we're no longer looking elsewhere for love, but we've found it in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Turn in your Bibles to, to Genesis chapter 22, just for a few thoughts from a very familiar story of, of Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 22, here we have the account of uh, Abraham taking his son Isaac up in Mount Moriah. And it was God that told him to do it. In verse 2, it sa- and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And we know the story. Abraham takes Isaac up onto, up onto Mount Moriah. And he, he's told to go offer him as a sacrifice to God. He puts him, lays him on the altar, takes his knife, raises his knife to, to slay, to sacrifice his son uh, Isaac. And he hears a voice from God. And in verse 11 says, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know, and this is what I want us to catch. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. You look at this story, and we as parents can't imagine doing what Abraham did. It's just hard, hard to imagine doing that. But Abraham went, because God asked him to and was willing to, to sacrifice his son, his only son. And I contend this morning that, that Abraham is a type of God the Father and Isaac is a type of Jesus Christ. And, and that was fulfilled in the, in the sacrifice there on, on Calvary. But what I want us to, to note here in, in verse 12 where God says, now this was a test that he put Abraham to. And and the test was to see how much Abraham loved him. God wanted to know, how much does Abraham love me? And so he asked him to do this, and Abraham carried it out. And then in verse 12, God says, in the middle of the verse there, he says, I know, for now I know, that thou fearest God, or reverences God, or loves God. Now I know for sure that you do. No question in my mind. I know for sure. And he says, uh, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Now let's go to John, the Gospel of John. Probably the most familiar verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you see what happened there in the Old Testament and what happened with Abraham and Isaac and them being clear, clear types of God the Father and, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, clear types of them. And, and God said that in the Old Testament, God said to Abraham, the best test that I can possibly think of to measure, to see if you really love me, is if you're willing to sacrifice your own son. So now we see here Jesus telling us, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a, God so loves the world, or loves mankind of the world, the depth of his love is such that he is willing to give his only son, Just to see his only son sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the world. And so, no greater love. There's no greater love than that. We can never question the degree of, of love that God has for mankind. Because he, he here, the test he applied to Abraham, he carries through with himself and, and sacrifices his son. Uh, allows Jesus to be sacrificed there on the cross so that we could have life. In John 3.16... And he talks about the world, he's referring to, to mankind. And then he says, uh, when we think about the love that he has for mankind, he says, for God so loved the world. And the word in Greek means in this way or in this fashion. So we could, I could read the verse like this. For, in, for God in this fashion loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He he not only said it, it's one thing to say I love you, it's another thing to, to prove through your actions that you really do. And God did that. He did that. He did he gave the dearest thing to his heart for for mankind. Greater love hath greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, it says in, in John fifteen thirteen why does uh why does god love mankind so much and i want to think about uh, a few different reasons that i believe man that god loves mankind so much and the first one is very simple god loves us so much for the very same reason that satan hates us so much because we're made in the image of god you and I are made in the image of God, and God loves us because of that. He, he looks at us, and he sees a reflection of him. We're made in his image, and he, he, he loves us for that. I just, I just enjoy tremendously seeing uh, children that uh, reflect their parents. I know their parents and, and in some cases it's crazy, but sometimes I see, I see children and it's like, I think, I'm, I think of their grandparents, it's, I see it in them. They are a reflection of and, and uh, because of genetics and everything made in the image of, and God loves us for that. We are made in the image of God, a very, very uh, amazing thing. Secondly, another reason that God loves us so much is that he made us with his own hands. Not only are we made in his image, you know, God spoke the world into existence. Amazing. Spoke the world into existence. You look at the the beauty of the world, and God spoke it into existence. But when it came to mankind... He took from the dust of the ground and he took his hands and he made, he formed Adam and breathed into his uh, mouth the breath of life and he became a living soul. God did it with his hands. And then the same with Eve. He takes a rib out of Adam and makes Eve. And I contend this morning that that is one of the primary reasons that God loves us so much we are made in his image he made us with his hands and we should be able to understand that anything that we do ourselves is very is important to us and, and it means more to us than if someone else did it for us it just works that way you can uh, you can go buy a home somewhere buy a piece of real estate and you can uh, move in and, and uh, maybe not do any work to the to the house or whatever, and, and it's, you, you enjoy it, you like it, it's yours. But if you buy an empty lot and you build the house, not have it built, do it yourself. There's just something that just it's very meaningful because I did it. I there's just this there's this connection there. And uh, it, it works the same way. I can you can walk into someone's house and they can have a they can have one of their trophies hanging on the wall, a nice buck. Of course, I look at Steve when I say this, and it's like, and you know, you know the really strange thing about that. I can look at it and say that's really nice, but it, it, there's no, it means nothing to me. If Steve said, "Do you want it?" No, I don't want it. I really don't. And the reason I don't want it is I didn't I didn't acquire it I didn't I didn't bring it home It's not I didn't do it, and so that's just a it's just a, a real difference There is a personal connection when we do something with our own hands, and and God has that with mankind. He did it He he uh, formed us with His own hands. But there's even more than that. Not only are we made in his image, not only did he, did he uh, make us with his, with his own hands, and we have to look at the latter part of, of we're in John 3.16. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he did all of that, and then it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you ever stop and, and really think about this verse and think about the contrast? Like when I read the first part of, of John uh, 3.16, it's just, it's just wonderful, it's just so amazing that God just loves mankind that much. And then the last part of the verse says, wait a minute, there's two roads. There's a group of people that are going to spend eternity in everlasting punishment. And there's another group that are going to spend eternity with God. There's a wide road. There's a narrow road that people will travel. And it all is based on, on, on believing in him, accepting the sacrifice of Jesus there on the cross. And if you do that, you shall not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. And so... Just the thought of, of people perishing suddenly brings uh, anxiety to us, like, "Wow, this is, this is really, really serious. Some people are going to perish, and some people will not perish. And we see that all here in, in this verse. And what, what I want to pull out of, of the second part of, of John 3:16 here is that we are creatures of choice. We have a choice. It's not God that chooses where we spend eternity. No, it's we choose. We get to choose, and this verse makes it very clear, that if we believe on him, then we won't perish. If we don't believe on him, we will perish. And so we are creatures of choice. Do you know that God was quite capable of making you and I as robots. He could have done that. Could have easily done that. Would have been a lot easier, I think, than, than making us the way he did. But he could have made robots. No choice. We just, we just all day long, we just do things that please God and what have you. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't do that. He made us as creatures of choice. Do you know that when you take choice away, you take away the ability to love. See, it's impossible for a robot to love God. How, how's, a, how's a robot going to love anything? How's a, a computer going to love? No, it's not happening. But as creatures of choice, we have the ability to choose whether we are going to love or not. We are made as, as creatures of choice. And God made us that way. True love does not force. Never does. True love uh, does not force. Love is a choice. And we see this uh, Adam and Eve back in the garden. There they are in the Garden of Eden. And because they're creatures of choice, uh, they were able to choose. And Eve made a terrible choice. When the serpent came to her, she just made a terrible choice. And Adam followed suit. And, uh, and they had the, the fall there in the garden, which God had told them up front what's going to happen if they would choose to disobey him and, and partake of the forbidden fruit. And so now today, each one of us is suffering the consequences of their disobedience. And... Here we have John three sixteen laying out the two roads. We now we have to make a choice. We were born with the uh, with the sin nature, and now we have to choose whether we're going to continue in that or whether we're going to serve God. We're going to put our faith and trust in Him. When you another thing you can when you look at John uh, three sixteen. You say, wow, that's, how could, and a lot of people struggle with this. They say, how could a loving God allow people to go to a place of destruction and eternal punishment? Well, if you take the whole verse in its entirety, at the beginning of John three sixteen, God made a way. He made a provision so that we don't have to go there. But we are, he also made us as creatures of choice, and it's up to us To choose. How does that look from God's perspective? You know, there and this is another huge reason that God loves us so much is because we have chosen Him. See, Adam and Eve didn't choose God. They they chose to disobey there in the garden. But you and I, as born-again Christians, we have chosen God. And that does something to the heart of God like we can't even... I'll tell you, you know, when a young guy or a young girl maybe starting to have a bit of a relationship with someone, and uh, and and when when you detect that... I love this girl and, and when you detect she loves me, she's loving me back. We love each other. That is amazing. And that is, therein is, is genuine love. A number of years ago, I talked to an elderly man and he was married for many years and he was telling me of the woes of his marriage and how it's just, just, not, just not good, it's just not good. And then after a while he said something that told me why it's not good. He said, you know, I, I know I could have done much better. Oh. And I told him, that's and that's why your marriage is not good. Because you and your heart, you think you could have done much better. That tells me how much you really love your wife. That tells me that there's a, you, you have a, there's a serious problem here. And th- with 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 God, when he sees us applying the blood of Jesus to our hearts and, and putting our faith and trust in him, it just, it just melts the heart of God. Right like with Abraham and Isaac there and, and God says to Abraham, wait, 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 now I know, now I know. When, a, when, a, when mankind, when a lost soul comes to God God says now I know now I know you really, you've, you, you're making a choice you're making a personal choice you're saying no to all these other idols and whatever you could have to love here in the world all that stuff that I made spoke into existence you're laying all that aside and you have made a choice to love me and it just melts the heart of God, and he just and he just uh, loves us for that. I want to think just a little bit about the, the, the difference between uh, John 3:16 makes it clear that God loves the world, He loves all of mankind. okay? Do you ever ever grapple with the so so how does this work with uh, he, he loves everyone and yet my message title is this morning why does god love us so much he loves the fallen world he loves man he loves all of mankind and yet he loves us so much and where's the line how does this work i could illustrate it this way uh God, it's only after we choose to serve God, only after we surrender our lives to him, we make that choice and God sees we, we love him. They, he, he or she has chosen me to serve, to serve me and to love me and he loves us back because of that. If uh, we're made in the image of God and so the best illustration I can think of is you know, if you go to, many of us have spent time already in airports or wherever where there's a large group of people and you're sitting there maybe waiting on your flight and there's people coming and going and what have you. And it's like, and so I ask you the question, when you, when you observe those people, do you love them? Do you love those people? I think we would all say, well, sure. We, I don't hate them. I, yeah, I, I, I love everybody. I'm a Christian. I I love everybody, but see, there's there's something missing, and that is we don't have a personal relationship with those people. You would get yourself in big trouble, no doubt, if you would start. Uh, you see people coming, and you jump up and run over, and maybe give them a hug. Oh, so good to see you! Wow! And they'd be like, you know, maybe you get slapped. I don't know what, but in, mo- in most most instances, they wouldn't be received very well because. There, there's no personal relationship there, but yet we love them. And we're not opposed to a personal relationship in any way, shape or form. But then when we have a personal relationship with somebody, you can be sitting in the airport and here comes, here comes a loved one that you've been waiting on, somebody you know, somebody you love. And it's just natural. We just jump up and greet them and welcome. And it's just a wonderful time and a wonderful reunion. I believe that's exactly how it is with God. God looks at fallen mankind and He 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 loves them and He longs for the He longs to have a personal relationship with them, but He realizes it's not there. It's not doesn't exist. And but then with, with us, with His children, it's totally different. We have making that we have made that choice and He has a personal relationship with us. Another aspect of it is that God is, the, the Bible makes it clear that, and I just let me read this verse, Romans 8.8 8 says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So fallen mankind cannot please God. He loves them, but it's impossible for them to please him. He doesn't, he doesn't look at them with, uh, with great joy in his heart. Look at what I made. Look at look at mankind. No, there's they, they cannot please God. It's impossible for them to, to please God. They are dead in their sins, and it's impossible for them to bring him any pleasure. Now let's go to the, the gospel of, of Luke and just think briefly about. The prodigal son. Luke 15. We have the account of the prodigal son and his father, and he verses verses 11 through 24. The prodigal father here, I believe, is another a picture of God, and the prodigal son, a picture of uh, fallen mankind, picture of, of you and I, and. We we know the we know the story well. Verse eleven says, and a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called... Thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a far way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring in his hand and shoes in his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to make merry. In this story, this amazing story, this, this account of the prodigal son leaving home living a life of sin I just can't help but draw a comparison to Adam and Eve there in the garden having this beautiful relationship with, with God and falling into sin and and uh, sin nature because of that, and the relationship broken between them and God. The same as here, the relationship is broken between the prodigal son and his father. Notice the the father's actions when you read this account. Notice that God, uh, the father, did not go after the son. I'm assuming that he could have, uh, if he would have started traveling and asking questions, he probably could have located the hog farm that his son was on and could have begged him to come back and pled with him to come back. But no, he didn't do that. He stayed at home, but he prayed and he looked. He must have been looking out the driveway every day because it's, the account says, here comes the son and the father runs to meet him. Must have been looking for him. Must have been longing for him to come home. And that gives us a picture of, of God's relationship with fallen mankind he is longing for them to come home he is standing at the window of the house or standing on the porch looking out the driveway longing for people to come home longing for them to make a choice to serve him another thing that that falls into this whole thing of why does god love us so much Do you know when when Adam and Eve fell into sin there in the garden, that they were, I believe, written out of of their inheritance? God like wrote them out of of their inheritance. And it's very true that when when we're born again, we are written into God's inheritance. And do you know there's something about parents that and the Bible says it's a good thing for parents to, to leave an inheritance to their children and to their grandchildren. To leave not only a good legacy and, and things taught, but to leave some material things to your offspring is just a nice gesture. Yeah. Uh, Marion and I both experienced that after our parents passed away, we got an inheritance. And there was something mm-hmm. nice about that. But I believe it was, it was also something that our parents loved to do for, for our children. And so God longs to leave an inheritance to, his, to create mankind that he created, all of us. He longs to leave an inheritance. But men that are living in sin have been written out of that inheritance. It's not there for them. And when 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 a person makes a choice to come back and to establish that relationship with God, God writes not only our name in the Lamb's book of life, but we are we our name is written in His inheritance. To inherit it, to inherit everything is prepared for those that love Him. It's there, and just a, something that. Is another reason that that God loves us so much and and is so eager to share that inheritance with us. I have a a sister-in-law who has a sister, who was in uh, a Mennonite college many years ago, and they were one of the one of the things that they were asked to do was to write a to do a. Uh, Research and write a report on a cult. They could choose which cult they wanted to do, and so she did the Moonies. And not only did she study uh, what the Moonies believe and everything, she ended up being a believer and joined the Moonies, and later married uh, somebody from the Moonies, and and lives. Uh, the last I knew lived in the state of New York and years ago. We were, I was with my brother and sister-in-law, and Marion and I were with them in a, for a week or, or half a week or whatever it was. And we stopped in to visit them on the Mooney Colony and just left such an impression with me. And my brother told me, uh, well, uh, my father-in-law wrote them out of his will. I thought, how would that be for a father to write one of their children out of his will? He said, well, he really had no choice because anything they would get, living like they are living, and part of the Moonies would go, they, they would go to the Moonies. And so to to prevent his money from going to a cult, she wouldn't get it anyways. It would just pass on to the, to the cult. They have everything in common, what have you. And so... Uh, just the, the heartache it would bring a father to sit down and write one of our own children out of, his, out of our will. And that's what, in a sense, that's what God did with Adam and Eve and wrote mankind out of his will because of one of the uh, things that happened because of sin there in the garden. And now, in this case, where, uh, where, where one of them comes back I'm sure if she would have came back, he would have been happy to put, to put her back in his will again. And the same thing happens here when, when we make that choice to serve God. He has the joy of putting us in his will and knowing that we will spend eternity with him throughout all eternity. No parting anymore. And, and just he, he loves us for that. And is, is eager to show that love by having, his, having us in his will. The other thing that from the story of the prodigal son. That is in my mind when I read and study this account. One of the things that, that just stands out to me and is so huge. Is the acceptance of God for his son. The son is living in a hog farm. He must have smelled bad. He must have looked terrible and he comes home and without reservation, his father accepted him, threw his arms around him and hugged him and loved on him before the son even had a chance to confess. And I contend to you that the father could see in in the son's, he's walking towards him, he could probably see from his countenance. And he probably knew because of his prayers that something had happened here and, and he was just he just couldn't wait to to love him. And that is the same way that God accepts and loves those of us who make a choice to come to him. Without reservation, there's no reservation there. He will. And you know, I fear that so many people don't experience the kingdom of God, because they, are, they have a deep-rooted fear that they will come to God and he won't accept them. I've, I've sinned too much. I've done, how could he possibly love somebody like me? He won't accept me. And so because of that, they just they just, just can't, can't bring themselves to, to make that choice to love him. But this, the, the story of the prodigal son makes it so clear that that is not true. That is not true. God loves mankind. And, when, and yes, they're, they're written out of his will. Yes, he doesn't have a personal relationship with them, but he longs for it to be established. And when someone comes to him in true repentance, as the prodigal son did here, you read the, read the verses there that talk about his repentance, and it's amazing. He was just, he was, there's just no question. He was the end of himself. He's coming home. He's coming home to dad. And he is, he is greeted with open arms. And he is loved by his father. It is guaranteed. I have enjoyed the story over the years, different times, and you may have heard it already, of the elderly man that was on a train and they're traveling on a train. He's sitting beside a younger man, and after what he notices, this younger man is just really, really struggling. And he says to him, you know, what's, can I help? Is there something I could help you with? And he said, well, he said, I'm on my way. I'm on my way home. And uh, he said, three years ago, I left home. I said really ugly things to my father. I wrote a really horrible note to my mother and laid it on my bed pillow when I left. Left without saying goodbye. And uh, I just, I did and said awful things to them. And I realized after three years that it was a terrible mistake. And I I, I just longed to go back and to have my relationship reestablished with them. But I uh, I didn't know how to do it. And so I, I wrote them a letter. I didn't know if they would accept me. So I wrote them a letter. And I said, I'm going to be coming by and, uh, on the train. And the, the train went right past the house where he had grown up in and said, that I'm going to come by. And if you, if you want to see me again, I don't blame you if you never want to see me again, but if you want to see me again, I want you to tie a white ribbon in the oak tree out by the railroad track. And if I see that white ribbon, I'm going to get off at the next station and come home. But if there's no ribbon in that tree, I'm just going. I'm just going to stay in the train, I'm just going to go. And he, he told this elderly man, he was sitting beside, after he told him this story, he said, I just cannot bring myself to look, I just can't look, I just, I'm so terrified, I just don't know if there's going to be a ribbon in that tree or not. And the elderly man said, well, I'll tell you what, he said, you just close your eyes and I'll look for you. And the train come around the turn and uh, the elderly man said to, said to the young man, he said, look." Look, there's a ribbon in every branch. Not just one ribbon. The tree is just full of white ribbons. And that is just a, a modern-day story uh, of the prodigal son and the, the parents, the father, just longing for him to come back. Yeah, there's a ribbon in every branch. Please, please come home. It, uh, my acceptance of you is, is guaranteed. And the son... It was the son that made that life altering choice and came back. And so the father loved the son, loved the prodigal son. God loves us when we come home. What is it that changed? He loved, God loved the, loves us because we are created in his image he loves us because he made us with his own hands but his love was was without pleasure without a personal relationship with an element of sorrow for our disobedience I believe and uh, had to write us out of his inheritance but now he loves us because we are like the prodigal son we made a choice to come back and Suddenly we have a relationship with him and it's minus all the negative things that were there before and it's only positive things. Everything's positive and he loves us tremendously. Ephesians 1.5 says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Psalm 147, 11, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him in those that hope in his mercy. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, so we don't think about this enough, but God takes pleasure in us. We've chosen him. We love him. We're serving him. And he takes pleasure in us. Here a few months ago, uh, Little Matthias, two years old, came to, came to visit us, or we had the privilege of babysitting for an evening or whatever it was, and, and uh, Grandma took Matthias to the basement and was just having so much fun da- with him down there. This was, uh, I could tell they were enjoying each other and taking pleasure in her grandson. And we as grandparents know what it's like to take pleasure in our grandchildren. We have more time to do that than we had to take pleasure in our children. We were so busy providing for and caring for them. But we do, we take pleasure in our children, but we also take pleasure in our grandchildren. And there's just something different about grandparents and and their grandchildren. We take pleasure in them. And the next day, uh, Rosalind sent, uh, sent a little video, I guess Ted sent a little video clip of little Matthias walking around the house saying, I wanna go to grandma's house. I wanna go to grandma's house. Why? because grandma just took so much time and just showed her pleasure, just was pleasuring it with him and, and having this great time. And so, yeah, I wanna to go to grandma's house. And that's how God is, God is with us. He wants to show his pleasure on us. He wants to pour it out on us so that we wanna spend more time with him as well. So from God's perspective, so much of it is about we've chosen him. We have a surrendered heart. We've come back. We've confessed everything, like the prodigal son did here. Everything is we're sorry, and we've chosen this relationship with him. We've chosen life over death. It was Jesus that sent, It was God that sent his son Jesus to give his life there on the cross, making it available for us to do this. And now we've, we've applied the blood of Jesus to our hearts, to our lives. And he He sees us taking and and applying the provisions that he made for us. You know, it's kind of like the, the guy, it's, it's kind of like we were out there in the lake drowning. And God throws this uh, life preserver out to us. But we didn't have to grab a hold of it. But the people that take a hold of the life preserver and are pulled to safety are have a personal relationship with him. We made that choice. And he immediately sends the spirit to indwell us, to be our our mentor, our guide, our comforter. And our relationship grows sweeter and sweeter. Why does God love us so much? Why does he delight in us? Because we chose him. We delight in him. And he in turn, pours his delight out on us. We see this described very vividly in Ephesians five twenty two, where it talks about uh, talks about the husband and the wife. It says husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands. And then it goes on to say, "This is but but I speak about uh, I'm talking about the church and and uh, and Jesus." And so, you know. the more a wife surrenders to her husband, the more it motivates the husband to love his wife. And the more a husband loves his wife, the more it motivates the wife to surrender to her husband. And so the same holds true with our relationship with Jesus Christ. The more he loves us and he loves us a lot, it should motivate us to surrender to him. And as we continually on a day-to-day basis surrender to him he loves us more and more, and we have that loving relationship. The same thing we see in a husband and wife. We see it in, between God and his children. 1 John four sixteen, beginning of the verse says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love. And that's what I want to leave with us this morning. I want each one of us to... And just want This message to be an encouragement to understand how personal our love is with God and why He loves us so much. I want us to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. And I want, us, I want you to experience that. And if, if there's times... When we're not experiencing that, most likely the remedy is to surrender to him more so that we can experience more of his love. The same thing that we see in, in a husband and wife relationship. So God is so good. I hope that I hope that you're like me. Uh, and last night Sammy shared his his personal testimony down at the at the Olive Branch meeting and and i hope that we're all like sammy can reflect back on our on our testimony and he marveled at how much god loves him and that he could act that he actually did this for me and the plans that he had for me amazing and i want that for each one of us to live and to bask in the reality that god loves us and he has great plans for us and he is one of the reasons he loves us so much is because we've chosen him. We've chosen him. True love is, is always based on choice. Uh, and God proved his love to us. And when we come back to him and we put our faith and trust in him and we're born again, we, are, we have chosen him. And and God, that just melts the heart of God. He takes great pleasure in us and loves us for that. And he truly does love us so much. He loves loves mankind all over the world, but not in the same way that he loves the bride of Christ. Not in the same way that he loves us. We have a personal relationship. We know each other. And I contend that it's better than it was in the Garden of Eden, because Adam and Eve had never chosen God. Only after the fall, did they have the ability to, well, they could choose to keep serving him, but they, they never made that, they were just made good. You and I were, we, when we came to the age of accountability, we realized we had a sin nature. They didn't have that. And we chose to go back to God, like the prodigal son. And uh, God loves us for that, and he loves us so much. Let's continue to serve him faithfully. May God bless you. I think Steve wants to come and have some meal announcements and ask a blessing on a meal.